Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast. My name is Damien, and it is a pleasure to have on the line Overprotected Atheist. How are you? Good. Good. Um, tell me more about yourself. What's it? Tell, tell tell the audience more about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm Overprotected Atheist. I uh, started a YouTube channel in January, mm-hmm. and um, I left the church four years ago after my husband had left for a year and. I looked into the claims of Christianity and just found that there was not enough evidence for me to keep believing it. So um, mm-hmm. I left and I tried to start a blog like four years ago, but it didn't really work out. So I figured I would try my hand at YouTube. So <laughs> so, so you went you went on to something that takes even more effort th- than a blog. Yeah, but actually I'm bad at writing. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> The video stuff's actually a lot easier for me to learn, and I had to learn everything on my own. So, yeah, because um, you, you have this uh, very, um, I suppose, understated uh, animation style, which actually kind of makes the message message stand out a bit more. Yeah, I got the idea from Holy Kool Aid because he does, uh, yep, yep, kind of that animating style, and he was he like posted on his site like the different things he uses and stuff, mm-hmm. and I went and found cheaper stuff than he uses because. <laughs> Well, when, mom when, and when, I like to find the cheap stuff. So. <laughs> when when that Patreon kicks in and you has you have nice slush fun, you can then afford afford the good mic. Yeah. <laughs> now, fair enough. Well, what uh, intrigued me was one of your videos, the video about Samson. Oh yeah. And that, and I thought, well, hold on. Um, and there was, there was a couple of things that you said in that Samson video that thought, yeah, you and I could have a very good conversation just about weird stuff in the Bible. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, because when I first got into, uh, I suppose, counter-apologetics, um, one of the things I realized was just all the weird stuff that you overlook because you're in the bubble that um, what you're reading are the words of truth. What you're reading is holy and inerrant and inspired by something that's much more powerful than you. So how dare you judge the, the words on the page kind of thing. Yeah, that was a, I think that was a big thing for me too, was actually being in it. I didn't see how absurd and crazy things actually look once you're outside of it and be like, mm-hmm. this is not the reality that we live in. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, well, the other way I thought about it was, um, like, especially like when I was a lot more, let's, let's say, strident about my atheism, um, I would get accused all the time of having a confirmation bias. And so I would I would ask the question, hold on, why is it that when I'm an atheist, my confirmation bias is a problem? But when I was a Christian, saying these are the words of God and deflecting all criticism, both reasonable and unreasonable, you know, my, my, confirma- my confirmation bias was not only not a problem, but it was basically celebrated. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that the church pushes is being ignorant and 
staying within what they want you to th mm. think is truth. Mm, indeed. So for an anthology of belief that has 66 books, uh, 31,103 verses, and approximately 800,000 words, um, and given the uh, disparate authorship and the cultures of the authors, as well as the primitive knowledge and understanding of the natural world of the time, there's bound to be a few things in the Bible that simply don't make sense. So sure, we could talk about talking snakes that spoke theological-level <laughs> Hebrew, a donkey that also spoke theological-level Hebrew, plagues, floods, bears coming down to kill children, or a guy who sacrificed his daughter as promised for winning a military campaign. That's been done numerous times. I want to talk about some of the weirdest stuff that doesn't get talked about. How about you, Opie? Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay, do you want to start first, or would you like me to start? Um, the first one I have is the Ezekiel who sees the flying wheel. Oh, I, oh, which is the uh, the Uf the UFO verse? Yeah. Okay. Would you like to? Would you uh, what Ezekiel? What was it? Um, well, I had it written down. <laughs> I think it's Ezekiel one. The wheel within the wheel. Yeah. Ah, uh, one uh, Ezekiel one one. Okay. So, in in your best reading voice. Out of the midst there came a likeness of four living creatures. And their appearance, it had the likeness of a man. And one had four faces, and every one had four wings. And their feet were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of a varnished brass. And they had hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. And they, had, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. Uh, then their faces looked like this. In front of a human face, on the right side a lion, on the left an ox, and in the back an eagle. Which was, um, yeah, I, uh, in some of the more weirder stuff that I read, um, yeah, that was seen as, uh, that, that was like a verse that kind of, was used as confirmation that, you know, the, the Bible talks about UFOs. So hold on, a wheel within a wheel and flashing lights and, you know, the, the light and the sound show. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, when I was in my church, we didn't, they didn't really believe it was like UFOs. They thought no. it was like God and angels coming down. And mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, though, because when they talk about angels at church, you always think like, these people that have wings they look like us and when you actually look into the bible like angels are never described in that way <laughs> no they have they have swords yeah and they're always described as like these scary beings that people are like fear and mm -hmm. yep. want to run away from so and and can kill children yeah so it's always <laughs> it's interesting i don't know where the uh i never looked into like the whole where our ideas of angels came from because it's definitely not rooted in what the Bible says they are. <laughs> no, I'm sure, I'm sure someone, someone in the audience would be able to give the exact answer, but I think it was actually from the Middle Ages. Oh, yeah. There was a, it, seems, it seems to be a very middle-aged kind, of kind of thing where – but uh, it's just, just on that, um, I think it's interesting that in the Bible, angels kill children, but then in, in popular culture, angels are almost depicted as children. Yeah. Which um, it's, sorry, you, yeah, you go. Uh, as I say, it's just interesting how 
things get twisted in our modern age from what they were actually describing. <laughs> yep. But this is this is kind of the thing of history in that what we got was twisted from somewhere else and then what they got was twisted from somewhere else and what they got was just twisted from somewhere else again. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the course of history. You know, thing things it's almost like evolution happens. Yeah. <laughs> no, really no. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, um, the, the first the first one I have on on my list was uh, Deuteronomy 25 verses 11 to 12. Now, in this one I'm going to read the King James version because I think the King, the King James version has a word that um makes me laugh out loud. So, here we go. When men strive together one with another, and the wife of the one draweth near forth to deliver her husband out of the man that smiteth him, and putteth forth her hand, and taketh him by the secrets, then thou shalt cut off her hand, thine eye shall not pity her. Um, and that verse is if basically if two men are fighting, um, and the wife of one man grabs the other one by the by the package, um, yeah. <laughs> then yeah, you are to cut her hand off. Uh, but I love I love the verse taketh him by the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I've never <laughs> I've never never heard of it like that before. So hmm, I'm gonna hit, kick him in the secrets. Oh goodness. Um, so, which obviously is is pretty harsh because you know, firstly, what happens if one if one man grabs another man by the testicles? You know, like, I do do you cut his hand off as well. Um, you know, or what happens if like the woman kicks the guys in the nuts? Um, <laughs> you know, like do you cut her foot off instead, or what if like what if she elbows the guys in the nuts? Do you like cut her off at the, <laughs> at the elbow instead? And it's like, well, okay. Um, and the other thing that uh, that got me thinking was, how do you know? That the woman, yeah, had grabbed the guy by the nuts. Like, you know, does the yeah. lose, does the loser of the fight go to the Sanhedrin and say, "Hey, you know, um, Bob down the street, I was ha- I was having a fight. <laughs> I started assaulting Bob down the street, and Bob's <laughs> Bob's wife Mary came out and um, you know, grabbed me in the in 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 the testes, and so go 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 get her. And then like, there's a knock on the door from the Sanhedrin, going, "Well, Mary, coming out, you know, t- time to lose your hand." Yeah, um, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, which is both like funny, but also a little bit depressing. In that, yeah, it's like the the rule is made for specifically for women as a yeah, as a oh, I suppose. Uh, yeah, no, I just I don't I don't quite get why the rule would apply only to women when men are just as capable of you know smacking something nuts. Well, actually, hold on. It says grabbeth him by the testes, so like you can maybe smack him in the nuts, but <laughs> just can't grab him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't don't grab the nuts. Anyway, um, Op, uh, your turn. What's your next one? Um, uh, Judges fifteen four. Okay, this is but- another Samson one. Oh yes, uh, start. So Judges fifteen four. Let me just uh, get that up on the. Okay. Uh, On the Bible Gateway machine. Actually, just having said that, I actually quite like Bible Gateway. Um, you can pull pull almost any verse out in any translation, um, and and I, and I do like that. Um, how can I say? Like the Christians aren't trying to hide what's in what's in what's in the Bible, which makes it easier for us. Yeah. Anyway, Judges fifteen, fire away. 
So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. Then he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Ah, yes, he, he, caught, he caught the foxes. <laughs> then uh, he lit a pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burnt yep. up the shocks and the standing grain together with the... Uh, uh, then uh, verse 6, when the Philistines asked, Who did this? They were told Samson, the Timnite son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. Um, what what are your thoughts, OP? It's interesting. I don't know how you would tie three hundred foxtails together. <laughs> I actually, no, no. Hold, hold on. You've got to catch three hundred foxes. Yeah, that's true too. He had to go out and find three hundred foxes and then keep, keep, tie keep, them keep. all together. <laughs> well, no. Firstly, he's got to catch three hundred foxes. He's got to put them in in a cage somewhere, or you know, whatever the the Philistine equivalent of a cage is. Make sure they stay there. Like he catches one. Okay, guys, you stay there. <laughs> he runs out and grabs a couple more, puts them back and goes, okay, you four stay there. I've got 296 more to, 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 to grab. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, but then, um, yeah, time time by the tail, then, like, set them alight. So, like, yeah. what, what then happens to the foxes once – what happens to the foxes once the uh, they've gone through the fields? Because they're tied together. Yeah, they'd be – well, and they're lit on fire, so mm. I don't – I don't understand, like, I feel like they wouldn't be able to get through the fields before they, like, burned up completely, but I don't know. Well, I suppose, that, like, the lucky ones would maybe, like, pry apart their, pry apart their, their binding and, and maybe escape. So maybe, like, one fox is able to, like, you know, douse their flames, but then the other one just gets to burn up. But, well, hold on. It does say that he went through... Um, it went through the grain, uh, then the vineyards and the olive groves. So yeah. they, they did they did quite quite a lot of damage. Yes, but I suppose, they did. But I suppose like 300, uh, 300, uh, 300 foxes. You got one hundred and fifty. Pa- Actually, hold, how would you like carry them as well? It's like one hundred and fifty pairs of foxes. I have no idea. <laughs> like if I said, "Op, can you deliver me three hundred foxes?" How would you deliver three hundred foxes? Would you get like a UPS van? Would you get like? I was gonna a- say I'd have to have a truck or something. And yeah, or, or like all a- in cages and. <laughs> no, no, I'm just imagining Samson like with the, with his cart. You know, his cart. Pulling. <laughs> shut up, with you the guys! Donkey pulling it. <laughs> exactly. No, he's like, shut up, you guys! Stop, stop squealing! I'm about to set you on fire! God damn it! Sorry, sorry, Yahweh! Damn it! Um, yeah, poor poor foxes, which is like. Okay, like, and then, like, why? Why did he do it? Because his wife was given to his friend. Yeah, it's sort of like, well, this kind of this is one of the things that that runs counter to the, um, to the biblical version of marriage. Well, so what the evangelical church wants you to think the biblical view of marriage is. Well, yeah. you know, like, like the marriage is all about love and producing children and all that kind of stuff, whereas. In in this verse, you know, the the wife is literally given to the friend like a piece of property. Yes, there is no. Well, actually, even if we go one back, um, Samson didn't really like. There was no real relationship between Samson and his his expected wife. It was more like I choose you. Um, then the parents had to go down to like finalize the arrangement, and then at the time, the wife got given to the wife got given to a friend. It's, just, it's, just, it's sort of like. There has to be a transaction 
if Samson's not here, we're going to put another guy in its place, regardless of whether they like each other or not. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a big point that a lot of people in the church miss. Because I remember talking to like um, men in my church, and they're like, "I don't understand why they treat women like this in the Bible." And like me and my husband are both like, because they're not women, they're property. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not. They're not. For some agents. reason, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't click in their minds because society today, like we're we're people, we're not property, so they don't they don't mm. understand that at all. Like they can't even imagine what it would be like. No, this is a yeah. This is the, I suppose the yeah. This thing I suppose the only out is that. Um, God's people weren't ruling the society at the time might be the only way. Well, hold on. This is this wasn't God's people doing it. This was um, how the Philistines did it. And it's like, well, the Bible doesn't condemn that kind of marriage. It was actually, and this is actually another thing um, just on that point. There was a, a friend of mine who was talking about the Rachel and Leah um, episode mm-hmm. where Jacob goes to, was it he wanted to marry Leah, but he got Rachel in a, in a place. Or was it? Or was it the other way around? He married, he wanted Rachel, but he got Leah, Leah in her place, and yeah, which is actually yeah. um, kind of creepy because was it like if I let's say I married my wife, and then all of a sudden I wake up next morning and it's not my wife? Technically, that's like some form of like you know, um, I won't say maybe not sexual assault, but it's sort of like so yeah, something creepy is going on. Or it's all like yeah. it's all like the dad said to the daughter, "Look, um, don't you go in, my other daughter. You go in and let him sleep with you, because I'm trying to. I need him to work for another seven years. So can you like just help me out for this one thing, and let him have sex with you, so that he will stay here for another seven years? Um, yeah, so like, yeah, no, it's just it's all kind of um, messed up. Yeah, it's so weird. It's weird to me too, though that. They also don't see, like, they always claim, like, it's one man and one woman. But, like, biblically, they men always had more than one wife. Indeed. So it was, yeah. And they they don't see that either. Like, that's but, that's but, how they did things back then. <laughs> like, no, no. Because David, David, who's, like, the most, <laughs> David, who's, like, the second most glorious king in Israel, he had, um, you know, he, he had a handful of wives, including ex-wives of the uh, people who conveniently died. Yeah. Um, and then Solomon had his, what is it, 700 wives, 300 concubines. Yeah. And he's like the most glorious king of Israel. He's the one who built the temple. He's the one who built the palace. He's the one who, you know, had, had all the splendor. It's like, well, anyway. Um, the next one I wanted to go to was uh, hemorrhoids in the Bible. <laughs> um, and there's there's a few there's a few verses mostly in First Samuel. Um, now with this one, I've gone with the modern King James version because the modern King James version and the what was the other version I used? Um, the MST. Ah, the modern spelling Tyndale Cloverdale versions have these particular words in them. So if you if you go to the NIV, you won't find this. They'll use growth instead. But if you use the either the MKJV or the MSTC, um, so the first one I've got is Deuteronomy twenty eight twenty seven. Yahweh will smite thee with the burning sores of Egypt and with the hemorrhoids and with scab and with itch of which thou canst not be healed. So don't 
piss off God, otherwise he's going to give you hemorrhoids that <laughs> can't, can't be relieved. Can't be healed. <laughs> Correct. And then we get to we, we get to First Samuel First uh, Samuel five, uh, six and nine. And the hand of Jehovah was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he laid them waste and smote them with hemorrhoids, Ashdod and its borders, and he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and hemorrhoids broke out upon them. It's <laughs> like there's oh a whole. Uh, and then first Samuel first Samuel five twelve. And the men that died not were smitten with the hemorrhoids, and the cry of the city went up. So I just had the mental image of like someone dying of hemorrhoids, and all these, and, and these women like waking up to find their husbands died with with their men like clutch, clutching their ass. You know, ah, there's a great cry. There's a great cry either the women finding their husbands dead, or there's a great cry of men just like holding their ass, going, ah, I can't. I can't bend down. I can't bend over. Ah, it hurts. And, th- and then we oh get to um, 1 Samuel 6, verse 11. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart, and the forcer with the mice of gold and the images of their asses with hemorrhoids. And it actually says, it actually uses the word asses in the MKJV for 1 Samuel 6, 11. Hmm. And then if we get to the last one is uh, 1 Samuel 6, 17. These are the golden asses with hemorrhoids, which, which, the Philistines gave, which the Philistines gave to amends for a trespass offering to the Lord. Um, yeah, so if, you, so, so, so if you go, so if you said so if you go to the NIV or the more like um, more modern translations, they will use the word growth. Um, the King James version uses the archaic word emeralds, but we we know them as as hemorrhoids. And um, yeah, in First Samuel five, he literally uses the word asses, which is like a very Australian, you know, like, like we'll say something like "shove it up your ass, mate," you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, and then in here, they're they you know they made images of their asses. It's like it's so crazy. It's like 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 stand, stand still, Stephen. I'm trying to like I'm trying to get get the groove. It's like you know, just bend over a little bit so I can get the get the get the hairs right. Oh you know, my goodness! Like, um, <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm just imagining. Yeah, just, and then they put their asses on the cart and like send them to. So, mm, this one's nice. Anyway, um, okay. <laughs> What's your next one? Okay. Um, Second Kings thirteen. Yep. Let so me this get... is Elijah's death. Oh, okay. Yep. Second Kings. Let me just get get up on the Google on the uh, Bible Gateway machine. Okay. Yeah. So we found the verse. So First Kings thirteen twenty. So, um, Elisha's death, he died, and then they went to bury another man in the same grave as Elisha. When they did, and Elisha's bones touched the other dead man, he came back to life. Not only did he come back to life, but he also stood up on his feet. Whoa, that's a, that, that's great healthcare. That's, um... <laughs> Just touch a prophet's bones and you'll live again. Yeah, so we found the verse. Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the, when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. So, we have a dead guy. We've got to put him somewhere quickly. Let's, <laughs> let's, open a, let's open a tomb. Now, that's interesting that like, a tomb is not something to open in a hurry. So it's like, well, yeah, we've got to... No. 
and then like chuck him in. But I just like, like I just want to like, did the guy like raise up straight away? So while, while these raiders are coming in, they open the tomb, they they throw this guy in there, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm back. Okay, cool. You can you can help us like you know like defeat the <laughs> defeat these raiders. Yeah. Um, but I just I do wonder if if this was a if the Jesus resurrection account was was paralleled uh, on this. Maybe. Because well, just because um, throughout the Gospels, there are places where Jesus does miracles that are replicas of what Elijah and Elisha did, um, yeah. such as like the healing of the girl. Um, just trying to think where, uh, just trying to think. There's a part where like, he spreads his body over the over the child, um, and I think it was Richard Carey who makes this point that the the Greek word. Because, because the gospel is written in Greek, the the Greek in the gospels and the Greek in the Septuagint uh, uses the exact same phrase, um, and he and the child was handed back to his mother, so mm. some, some something like that, and it's sort of like a, it's a, like a classic uh, literary thing where you can tell that they're trying to use the same story. So yeah. I'm just I'm just wondering if um, the reason Jesus was buried in a tomb was also to match the match the Elisha account, because like if if I'm a crucifixion victim. And the whole point of my death is to humiliate me. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, and I've been like bloodied and broken and bruised and battered. There's like the last, the last thing is, hold on, yeah, we'll let you have the body and put him in a rich man's tomb. Yeah. It's like okay, that's very um, similar. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering if that, um, if that was written to spe- specifically. Uh, match this match this account, but um, yeah, interesting. Anyway, um, the <laughs> next one, the next one I had was now I don't actually have the I don't actually have the verse, but um, it was actually I will quickly. And I said I can. Uh, uh, the next one I have is uh Esther seven, verse eight. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall. Haman was falling asleep on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now, <laughs> in my, uh, I suppose, in our modern culture, we read the word molest and think there's some sort of uh, sexual uh, undertone sort. Yeah. And there... I remember in my in my research for this, there were some, let's say not not quite not quite stable uh, theologians, who uh, or not quite balanced theologians who implied that Haman was getting uh, let's say getting jiggy with with Esther and that she that she was enjoying it. Hmm. And um, yeah, whereas in my yeah, the more balanced theologians I read was that like molest was just a word for inappropriate touching. So Haman is Haman is trying to um, like implore the queen to not have him killed, and then um, uh, yeah. So and but however, the king may then think, oh hold on, um, this guy's trying to touch my wife, and I suppose he is touching the wife, just not in the in the secrets. Um, yeah, and yeah. So then the king goes, "Well, hold on. Why is he? Why is he? You know, touching my wife?" And so then that. Um, but then uh, a couple of verses later, um, so it says, "As soon as the words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face." 
Um, then... Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. Um, do you know how high 50 cubits is? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, I did actually... 50 cubits is roughly about five stories high. That's huge. <laughs> it is. So so this guy's built a... Hold on, here we go. One cubit. So let's go... I just found the... Uh, convert. So 50 cubits is about 22 and a half metres, um, which is about, let's say, about 25 yards. So if you build a build a pole twenty five yards high, that's that's roughly about it's roughly about five stories. So so this guy built like a five story pole to hang a to hang a guy on. I'm just like thinking why like why would he need to like how would yeah you, you build- don't need it that high <laughs> no no like, <laughs> even just like even like a tree will do you know yeah. And I'm just wondering if um like the thing that struck me was like how do you build a five story high pole like you know. Like scaffolding back back in those times was, you know, there were no unions, there were no diggers, there were no, you know, re- yeah. there, there's no rebars. It's like okay, if I, like a twenty, a twenty two and a half meter <laughs> pole. It's like, well, what's that pole for, Heyman? Oh, just 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 so I can hang around. Yeah, so me and mates can hang around, <laughs> kind of thing. But it, but then the irony is that he gets hung on the pole that he built to kill to kill Mordecai. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just huh. remember. I just remember. Yeah, in my more excitable, in my more, in my more excitable days, I did entertain the possibility that there was some sort of a sexual misgiving in this in this verse. Um, mm. But yeah, it's like, well, you know, I, I don't think like if I'm pleading for my life, the last thing I would try to do is like touch the genitals of the queen. Because yeah, that, that's like going to, um, especially <laughs> especially in front of the servants. Like, I don't think that's going to save my life. <laughs> it's like I, I can't imagine. Like the queen saying, "Okay, I'll let you live because yeah, because I had an orgasm or something." But yeah, that's a little bit. Anyway, before we, before this chat gets too dirty, Op, uh, your turn. What's what's your next verse? Um, so Acts twenty eight. Paul ashore on Malta. Yes. What yeah. verse? What verse? Um, I was gonna read like one to six. Sure, go for it. All right. Once we are safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, snake driven out by heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god. He was a god. <laughs> um, yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on that first? What makes it, what makes it stand out for you? Um, it's interesting because, like, when I was researching and stuff, they said that Malta does not have any poisonous snakes on it at all. Oh, okay. So, where did the snake come from? <laughs> if this is a place that has no poison snakes, maybe so. they, maybe they brought a poisonous snake over, just like uh, Samson brought the foxes. It's like, oh, I'm just, <laughs> see, honey, just go get Put a poison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, see, honey, just go get. I'm just going to get go get a poisonous snake. I'll be back in a few days. However, <laughs> it takes to, to go to um. 
But yeah, um, however, I... I've got a book in my collection called The Mystery of Axe, and mm. it's written by um, Richard Purvo, who is a, a fairly well, um, fairly well-read scholar. And he makes the point that he makes the point that this story was written as a like to co-opt a myth from one of the other Greek, um, from one of the other Greek mythologies. Mm. Now, I, I don't have the, like, the, the the thing on hand, but yes. Um, but yeah, they wrote that as a um, I forget which Greek hero it was, but yeah, the, like the 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 person who like gets bitten by a snake and doesn't doesn't die or faces some sort of uh, some sort of uh, ordeal but doesn't die is then like elevated the hero status, and so one interpretation is that Luke is co opting a, a Greek myth in order to elevate. Uh, elevate Paul to hero status. So we see in uh, in other in other verses in Acts that um, Paul emulates Jesus. Uh, he also emulates Peter, especially with the with the jailbreak. Um, if you compare if if you compare the uh, the jail escapes of both Peter and Paul, you'll see that Paul's is similar to Peter, but in Paul's, no one dies. Mm. And then, yeah, and then maybe he, he tops it off with a with an ordeal at sea, and or ordeals at sea are part and parcel of Greek mythology. And then, like you know, the, the snake, the snake that bites him on the hand, and he doesn't die. Well, and, and you can see like you can see where. Um, well, hold on. If you must be murdered because you came from the sea, and and the goddess is is trying to get you. But then yeah. he gets bitten and he doesn't die. Well, hold on, you are now suddenly a god, and that might be. Um, it's uh, yeah, and to me, to me, that reads like a, a, a co-opt of of, uh, of Greek mythology. And you're right. Actually, I don't know if there are no snakes. I've got a Maltese friend. I'll have to ask him. Are there snakes? In, <laughs> are there snakes in Malta? But um, yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh... It oh, is interesting. Sorry, I've taken sorry. up so much time, and uh, that's <laughs> it. Oh, so I'll let you let you go. It's um. Interesting to see how, like, their culture, like, the Greek culture goes, like, weaves into the Bible, too. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, like, actually read um, any mythology or you don't know any mythology, like, you mm -hmm. would think that these things all happen. Literally. But, like, yeah, literally. But if you look at, like, like Greek mythology and... Um, Roman mythology and mm -hmm. stuff like that, you can definitely see the, the similarities between them and how they took a lot of the culture of their time and wrote it down in their book. Mm -hmm. Well, so, it, it, get, it gets a little bit better than that because, as we know, um, the Romans took over the took over the empire from the Greeks. So the, yeah. by the time by the time Jesus came. Um, the the Jews of the time were already thoroughly Hellenized. Yeah. Um, aside from that, the Gospels were written in Greek, and to to be in a fairly illiterate society, but write in expert Greek means that you would have had to be incredibly familiar with the with the Greek mythologies of the time. Yeah. So there's really no no question that, um. You know the people who wrote the Gospels were a familiar, and to me, b co-opting those mythologies 
to write to the audience that they had at the time. Yeah. Because because they didn't write for us in the year 20, 2021, you know, with our, with our, you know, with our seminaries and with like 55 billion denominations and, you know, Mormonism around and all that kind of stuff. You know, there was, this is Christianity and, yeah, there's not much to it. Yeah. But the other thing just on that point was that um, in my in my fundamentalist days, like if you were reading Greek mythologies, you were reading the the texts of pagan of of pagan gods. You were like reading what the devil wants you to what the devil wrote. Yeah. And so you weren't like allowed to be familiar with with that stuff because you know that's not the word of God. You know why are you reading uh, the words of demons from from other cultures? Yeah, that makes sense. Which is another way how they, you know, they control information is by well, hold on. If you if you read that, you're a bad. <laughs> you're doing something bad. God's God's not going to be happy with you. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you're on the inside versus when you're on the outside because you just see things so differently. Well, or just on that, how angry were you when you when you when you walked out? Um. I was pretty angry the first, probably the first year I was. Okay. I was not a happy person because <laughs> no, no, I was, I was someone who like one hundred percent believed everything I, the adults I, told me. Yep. yep same, same. Same here. I was. Um, yeah. Well, actually, I, I I came into Christianity as as a well, I came in as as a late teenager, um, and yeah, I spent then a good fifteen years dedicated to the mission so to speak and yeah like i was fairly like externally i was fairly quiet about my atheism but on the inside you know like if i jumped on like a twitter forum or a facebook group you know i would let that person have it. i was like the atheist keyboard warrior yeah <laughs> and that's so yeah no interesting uh the next verse i wanted to uh, that kind of made me chuckle a little bit was uh song of solomon chapter four <laughs> Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. Your love is much better than wine, and the fragrance of your perfume than all spices. And then we, uh, Song of Solomon 8, verse 1. Oh, that you were like a brother to me, who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I found you outside, I would kiss you and none would despise me. Now, I'm fine with sister and brother being used as figurative terms, but the fact that it uses sister in the King James Version, and as we know from half of the Twitter apologists, that the King James Version is, is the best translation out there. So God obviously meant for Solomon to be jiggy with his sister in his chosen book. Yeah. I mean, that was very normal back then, too. Yeah, well, yes, you, you, you're <laughs> kind of right. Um, and, ju- and, just, and just saying that, um, the episode of uh, Tamar and... Mm, yeah. oh, I, for- I forget who the, like, you know, the, 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 the rape of... Uh, the, the, rape, the rape of Tamar. And yeah. like even like the the half brother wanted to marry the half sister, and again that stuff was you know that, that stuff was uh, was permissible. 
yet if I if I went to a like what's the most um deeply evangelical place in America? <laughs> the South. <laughs> okay, okay. So so if like I went Kentucky, to Kentucky, Tennessee. <laughs> okay. So if I if I went to Kentucky or Tennessee and I said, look, hey guys, this is my half sister, you know, we're brother we're 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 husband and wife. It's like you sick perverted people. But, um, <laughs> but 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 just just on that, um, if if they meant another word other than sister, then you kind of in this this catch twenty two where either the King James version isn't God's perfect and inerrant translation, or that even if the King James version is the best translation, we still have to play the context game to work out what God really meant in His yeah. divine and inerrant word. Yeah, and that happens in so many different things. That's why there's so many different denominations and just people who have different interpretations of like a single verse mm-hmm. because like there's no it's not like written out like this is what you must do. It's always it's like a secret code. And that was like it was funny cuz growing up in the church that was kind of like a big thing they were telling us they're like yeah jesus was like sending out a secret code and only people who understand jesus go to heaven and i'm just like so we're the chosen people because we have his secret code <laughs> that's sort of like some really it's almost like da vinci code stuff yeah there's like there's like a code oh, actually um <laughs> actually you know what was it um the bible code i don't know if you ever uh started up into that but there was a guy who um worked out that if you like got the the letters of the original uh hebrew text and like counted every like depending what number you use but let's say every nth letter and you like put those those characters together you would then get like a secret message mm-hmm. that was encoded every every nth every every mm-hmm. nth letter so uh, the next one I wanted to quick, uh, raise was uh, Deuteronomy twenty three uh, verse two to verse two to four. No one born of a forbidden marriage, nor any of their descendants, may enter the assembly of the Lord. Not even in the tenth generation. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. Not even in the tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And the high Balaam, son of Beor from Pethor in Aram Naharaim, to pronounce a curse on you. And my first thought when reading that was, way to hold a grudge, God. Yeah. And it's like, well, not even like to the tenth generation. That's like, well, like, you know, you could be like the, the the nicest and most wholeheartedly devoted person, but because your great 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 grandpops was was a Moabite. It's like, well, <laughs> too bad. No, no, no soup for you, kind yeah. of thing. And actually, this raises a, a question: um, who was who was David, uh, King David's dad? Jesse. Oh yeah. And then who was Jesse's mum? Hmm. Ruth. Oh yeah. As- and what- <laughs> I remember there's a lineage. Yep, it's and been then, a while and, since I've looked into it, though. Also, <laughs> and, and what nationality is Ruth? Moabite. Mo- 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 <laughs> 
So it then raises it raises this contradiction. Actually, I'm just gonna I'm just going to get the verse up. Um, I'm just on my Bible gateway. So Ruth, uh, not Ruth three. Ah, so Ruth, where is it? Ah, okay. Uh, um, yeah. So Ruth married Boaz. So Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse's the father of David. Which then means that David mm. is a fourth generation, fourth generation Moabite. So we have this. We have this. What I would say is is a contradiction where God says in Deuteronomy, "No Moabite, even down to the tenth generation, shall, shall enter the assembly of the Lord." Yeah. And then you have King David, who's a, who's a fourth generation Moabite, who is like God's favorite, God's second favorite king, save for his son. Solomon, who's a fifth-generation Moabite, who actually got to build the temple. Yeah. So huh. something doesn't quite something doesn't quite add up, and I can only guess as to what apologetic is is made because, like you know, either there's either there's a contradiction or God changed his mind somewhere, and we're told in First Samuel fifteen that. God is not like a man who doesn't change his mind. Yeah. Like God is unchanging today, yesterday, today, and forever. So something doesn't quite doesn't quite add up. But and and you'll feel the same way. When you're when you're neck deep in the in the faith, this kind of stuff will hold on. I'm sure there's a rational understanding somewhere that I just haven't encountered. And then you step back and well, hold on. It clearly says no Moabite may enter the the tenth generation basically because I hate them. But then the most glorious king in my nation's history is a fifth-generation Moabite, um, you know, the, the, the guy who I've chosen to build my temple is, is a Moabite. So hold on, what's, um, something's got to give. Mm, o, OP, yeah. do, OP, do you have another one? Yes. Second <clears throat> um, uh, Kings... 20, uh, starting at 8. Hezekiah's illness. Yeah. Fire away, OP. Hezekiah asked Isaiah, what will be the sign of the Lord that he will heal me and I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign that you, that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? It is simply a matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, says Hezekiah. Rather have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back 10 steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Whoa, spooky, <laughs> spooky signs. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is... Which is, in a way, another confirmation to me that the Bible is a flat Earth book. Mm. Because because we yeah. we because we know now that for something like that to happen, either the sun itself has to be like rotated around the Earth, or the Earth has to spin backwards. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's just interesting. That, well, this is this is this is in our modern understanding, but back in that understanding, the 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 sun was part of the firmament. 
Yeah. And so God could just like you know like knock the, it, it, a bit like like knocking a pendulum back. He can just like like just like push it back over there, and so the sun then goes back down the steps. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whereas, ah, uh, just trying to think who who it was. Um, the thunder uh, Thunderfoot. Thunderfoot made a video in his Why Do People Laugh at Creation series where um, he was talking about the in Joshua the day that stood still. Oh, yeah. And, like, basically for the whole Earth to stand still releases, like, a million-something megatons of, 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 of explosive energy. Yeah. And so, like, a million tons of explosive energy. <laughs> and, and that's just for the Earth to stay still. Now we've got to move it backwards. So that the so so that the shadow goes the other way, yeah, and like no one noticed. It's like, well, hold on, the the, the sun goes back. <laughs> no, no one, no one else bothered to record it. No one else bothered to note it down. And hold on, this day is going a little bit longer. So, mm, okay, well, all right, just a bit of a weird day. Okay, I'll go to bed late. It's like day, it's like daylight savings. <laughs> yeah, get your extra hour <laughs> or ten, 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 ten step ten steps of sleep. <laughs> Now I was going to ask, do you, do you have any more? Um, no, that was my last one. No, that's right, because I'm coming up to my, my last one now. Um, okay. And this one I've got a little I've got a little bit written down. So um, okay, Exodus four verses twenty four to twenty six. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said. Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So the Lord let him alone. So this is the story where um, uh, Moses is walking away from his father-in-law. Um, he goes to stay somewhere and then God comes up to kill him. And Moses is saved because his wife cuts off the foreskin of, of their son and, throw, and throws it at uh, Moses' feet. And, yeah. then, and then God, okay, I won't kill you anymore. <laughs> And there's a, there's a few there's a few uh, thoughts that I had uh, about this was that the first one is like so so God is on the lookout to kill Moses like like a bumbling assassin but he's defeated by a foreskin hmm. <laughs> this, this this didn't go as planned hmm, I'll have to I'll, I'll get you next time Moses <laughs> and it, it's strange because in the previous verses um, God was just talking to Moses like you know face to face. It's like, yeah. like God. God couldn't have said, "Hey, um, Moses, you know, I like when baby boys have a piece of their penis cut off." Right? Hint, hint. <laughs> um, what, what, what are your thoughts? Before I go to my next point, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, this one always was really weird to me because it didn't make any sense in my mind. <laughs> like, why would I mean, if God is supposed to be all powerful, like, w- couldn't he just? kill him like why does <laughs> i don't it? get it like why does it take like all these special signs and stuff to stop him if that was his plan all along like i'm gonna kill moses and this is why I I meant, and this is why i mentioned like a bumbling assassin so like he's he's sitting in wait so he he comes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like oh a foreskin no <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but um, this is the thing, like, in, in that time, God was very anthropomorphic. Yes. He's very, he's very, still very, like, before he, before he takes on the, the super deity who leads away by night and, like, knows every, knows everything and is everywhere, he's still somewhat, he's still somewhat human. Um, 
the next point I had was that, like, imagine being the sun. Like, we don't know how old the sun is. Yeah. But imagine being the sun and your mum, like, tells you to lay down and start suddenly grabs, like, grabs you by, <gasps> grabs you by the secrets. Mum, what are you doing? Stop your yapping. God is trying to kill your dad. <laughs> what, what are you doing with that knife? You know, from now on, I'm never going to clean my room. <laughs> and it's like, you, you hate it if, if, like, the mum took too long to, like, her mum's got, like, really shaky hands. It's like, I can't, oh I can't goodness. do this. And, like, Moses is yelling out, Zipper, hurry up, <laughs> he's about to kill me. <laughs> Honey, we can do this quickly or we can do it in a way that ensures you have grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Nothing, yeah, it's, yeah, again, it's like this whole bumbling assassin kind of, you know, it's like, I'm sure there's a sitcom that can be written somewhere, <laughs> like the scene where, like, in this this big, like, you know, this big cloud is on top of Moses, and Moses is going, oh, I can't, Zipper, hurry up, he's about to, yeah. Um, And then the next point is that we have to also bear in mind that in in some Jewish literature, uh, the word feet um, meant two things. It could either mean yeah. it could either mean the things that your toes are on, mm-hmm. or it could also mean like the other end of your legs, if if mm. you, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So there was an interpretation I read that um, that Zipporah cut off her son's foreskin and then put it on Moses's feet, and that was enough mm. to cause God to relent from killing his most notable prophet. <laughs> And I'm just trying to think, like, like, the, like, okay. like, like Mo- Moses' cause of death, not having, like, not, not having the foreskin rubbed on his, on his secrets oh, uh, in, goodness. In, in, in time. Yeah. Um, but then the That's last, crazy. the last point I, last point I had when thinking about this is why is God trying to kill Moses when it's the son who's not circumcised? Hmm. Like, shouldn't it, it be, shouldn't it be that like God goes after the son? Yeah, but instead, the the verse the verse states that he he went to kill Moses. Yeah, I didn't know that the the dad was responsible for what the boy has on his penis. Um, it's a it's a bit. That is interesting because if you look at like other Bible stories, a lot of them like God just kills the kids, <laughs> like. Like, like, like to, God, God, God has no problem killing, like you know, the Egyptian children or the yeah. Amalekite children or the <laughs> or the Midianite children, <laughs> or, or, or the children that like made fun of um, Elisha's uh, lack yeah. of lack of hair. Yeah, but in this one, it's like, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna get the kid. I'm gonna get the dad. Yeah, I, I just, I just hope weird. there's no, I just hope there's no foreskins involved. <laughs> Oh, boy, I'm sure all the Christians who are listening to this have turned off by now. Yeah. Oh <laughs> these, these guys are making fun of the Bible. Well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's it's there. It's it's right, it's right for the picking. But yeah. Yes. No, it's just um. Yeah. Look, I'm sure if anyone who has a, who has a better interpretation will uh, let us know. But yeah, it's um. Yeah. And like the the thing about feet as well was that in the story of Ruth, when she goes to um, when when she goes to uh, make her move on, now what's her husband's Boaz? Boaz, yeah. It says that she uncovered his feet. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure in your uh, in your church, when when they said uncovered uncovered his feet, they just meant like you know, oh, he's taken the socks off. 
Yeah. Well, whatever you know, whatever it is that they. But there, there was an interpretation I read where there wasn't there wasn't the socks that she took off. It was the other. And then there are, and then like the verse follows where like you know they they woke up in the morning and she rushed out, which mm-hmm. was like, well, hold on, mm, I wonder, I wonder if feet meant like the other end of the legs rather than just the the part with the toes, yeah, kind of thing. But um, well, I have I have heard people say that they think that mm. it's possible that they did other things in that verse and they just didn't. They kind of implied it, but they didn't. Say it directly, <laughs> and and then we get the song of Solomon, where it's like, mm, my my bride, my bride, my sister, yeah. How how, how I wish you were um, weaned at the same breast as my mother. Not not weird at all. Yeah. Anyway, Op, I'm gonna leave the chat there. It's been fun having you for the last <laughs> hour. Um, is there anything that you want to plug? Anything that you want to let people know about? Um, I'm working on a new video, and um. Yeah, if you want to come see me, I'm on YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash overprotectedatheist. And your Twitter and, and your Twitter is? Uh OP Um Atheist, but there's like a little underscore. I don't know, underscore. There we go. That's all right. I can't remember what that's called. Yeah. It's, OP it's, underscore atheist. <laughs> excellent. Well, OP, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Have a great day and I'm sure I'll see you. I'm I'm sure I'll see you on the Twitter machine at some time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. See ya. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast, at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.